Welcome to Frivolous Gravitas, where we talk about today, um, marks aren't for students is the subject matter at hand. I'm interviewing Jordan Roy and getting his perspective on some of the issues related to school and the pedagogy in general. And uh, maybe I could just ask you to give us a little introduction to where you wanna, wanna head with this session. Yeah, so uh, essentially I've been bandying this idea, uh, just kind of a thought of experiment that I've been running around in my head for a while uh, that marks, I guess, as the title states, is marks aren't for students. You go into class, you take your test, and then we all get our marks back. We're like, oh, what's my mark? What's my mark? What's my mark? And we all seem more interested in our marks than we do with our um, with our actual uh, what we learned. So uh, I was talking, and we were me and my wife were noting um, a lot of the frustration a lot of people have with, oh, what's my mark? What's my mark? What's my mark? What's my mark? And nobody really seems to care uh, about the um, the actual knowledge that they're gaining with <clears throat> with regard to uh, the um, subject matter that they're trying to learn. So you, they go in, they're looking for that mark that uh, in that signifies that they have you know learned that thing. But to me, it seems like that's misplaced. If you know the material, you know the material. Um, I guess what you're saying is like the function, the social function of the institutions of education are sort of lackluster in, in their direct focus and um, uh, their, their way of motivating students is for like job training rather than acquisition of general yeah. information. So you go, you go into, <laughs> you go into school and you, uh, it's going to be a bit hard to get used to. Uh, you go into school and you, uh, with the express purpose of, uh, you hope to gain skills. The, the university says, we're going to give you the skills in order to succeed in life, or we're going to give you the, uh, the thing you need to be, um, uh, you know, competitive in the workforce. You're going to give you uh, that accreditation that allow you to go for, further in life. But do um, you end up going through this with uh, a view to the end? Now, that isn't to say that you don't go to school without the view to the end. You go into a college program with a view towards, um, <clears throat> uh, you know, getting that accreditation for carpentry or plumbing or uh, whatever so that you can actually practice uh, you know being an electrician or a mechanic or something you need those skills because going in you don't know them and you need to acquire those skills and if you don't acquire them though then you're a bad mechanic or a bad plumber but even though you become a bad uh, doctor or you become a bad historian or anthropologist or teacher. Um, so I believe what I was frustrated with was the fact that um, 
a lot of what was happening uh seemed like you're just going through the motions to get you know uh as i can't remember who said it but the like the metaphor that just to get that stamp on your forehead saying that you are um the you are accredited you have learned the requisite amount of skills you have shown you know this so to me it got to the point where i was becoming critical of the institution itself. So it became an issue of the process itself versus the knowledge that you needed to gain. And the idea that I was coming across is that the marks don't actually represent what you're trying to learn. Uh, I remember going through class and I would be getting fair marks. I'd be getting uh, fair marks for the effort I was putting in a lot of the time. Uh, I remember getting a couple B pluses when I should have got a B minus, but I was getting A's uh, and B pluses generally. But the subjective nature of my work in my history degree made it such that the marks didn't really seem to be a consistent valuation of what I was doing. Uh, it, how did you construct your argument was a bigger thing. Uh, did you use your sources properly? Um, but in the end, did your uh, argument make sense? So it becomes more like that, whereas in something more um, uh, qualitative, something like. So I guess what you're saying, though, um, it doesn't sound to me like you're against the idea of marks in general. You're just against the focus on them, right? Yeah. The certification being the end goal, but it, like jobs training versus uh, versus education, they're not the same thing. You can tra train somebody to lay a brick and you can train somebody the, the chemistry and physics behind brick making to make better bricks before right. you lay them. Yeah, so I think that's a, I think one of the things that I'm getting at is that that's a bit of a false dichotomy because education is always supposed to be practical you're always going to have a practical aspect to it no matter what you're studying um i don't care if you're studying history because you're studying history in order to do better history oh no i just i just enjoy it well yeah that's great but um what you're gaining you you know you're putting stats into uh anthropology so that you can use that you know use those skills for something so you can come up with a, a new view or you can do work in an area that you're uh, uh, interested in more effectively just as if you go and study anatomy you need to know the parts of the body in order to become a doctor <clears throat> now to me that can't be diverse from it but having things focused on just a simple this is your mark it means this is, how, this is how good you are. And I'm not approaching this from a marks are uh, siloing us into a um, category. So if you get a 40 on this, then that means you're uh, you know this type of person. Or if you get A's in this, then that means you're this type of person. If you, you know, marks don't really tell you anything. And that's my point is that when you get a mark, it doesn't really matter. 
So what because, do you have? Oh, sorry. What's matter? What matters more? Did you learn what you needed to learn in order to do what you need to do, or what you want to do with your life? Uh, so for me, that meant learning how to construct an argument, learning how to defend an argument, you, learning how to use sources, learning how to properly cite, learning the banal stuff like properly forming citations. Uh, but at the same time, it also did I learn enough uh, of the actual data to, uh, going back to last week, to be able to make those in a professional manner. But that's the same thing as learning how to fit pipes together. That's the same thing as learning how to, you know, un take apart and put back together transmission properly uh, and to diagnose an engine problem with a car. There's no difference. Either you did it well or you did it poorly. Either you did it satisfactorily, pass, or you did not do it satisfactorily, fail. And to me, that's the major distinction that a student needs to be worried about, is the ability to uh, gain the knowledge and to learn how to use that knowledge as a skill. And the mark doesn't, if, if you can't do it, the, the baseline thing is, is that if you can't do it and you get through your, 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 your course and you didn't learn something, um, you didn't learn how 18th century Britain functioned, you didn't gain a skill, you didn't, you know, hone your skills of debate and discussion, you didn't, you did the bare minimum of reading just to get the thing. And that's why, where the other thing is why, which I want to get to later, that's why I think marks aren't. So then that begs the obvious question, what are marks for? The marks are for the administration because they, marks, even though they're not for students and they're not useful for students, is my thesis, I guess here, they are very useful tools for um, the administration itself. Can people. we dive into that? Like, what do you think the function yeah. is, the, the beneficial social function of marks to an administration? Like, how is the administration helping education itself? Well, um, you get a uh, administration that's based on be, needing to be able somehow to decide whether or not 30,000, 50,000 students uh, even down to, you know, smaller high schools, you know, two to 1200 students, uh, who you somehow have to figure out which one of the, how, which of these students did well, which of these students did not do well, which one of the, which of these students, uh, failed to meet expectations and, uh, then have recourses for that. So you need to be able, you need to have graduation ceremony still. Who gets to go to the graduation ceremony? Who gets accredited? What level of <clears throat> what level of work allows you to get accredited? So they need to have these uh, stratified uh, quantitative uh, uh, silos to put you in. Uh, these are the A students, these are the B students here, these are the special students which we use Latin words for. Uh, these are the ones that we send our UOK letters to when they get a, you know, 55. Uh, 
or when they get like a really bad GPA. And these are the ones that we uh, say, maybe this isn't for you letters, you know, instead of just get out. Um, Can I ask you to under, uh, underline this for a second though? Like it sounds like the administration also serves a purpose of uh, fulfilling some student needs, like emotional needs, like the pat on the head, the, the, hat, the cap and gown, the red star. Right. Um, we are so, all human beings and we're all emotional creatures. And it sounds like like part of the administration's use utility in the education system is to, to give that kind of kudos to encourage better um, absorption of information from the students. Like, do you think that plays a role? Yeah. Um, or how much, or is it useful? <laughs> what are it is useful. Uh, and it is, frankly, it is quite useful. Uh, when used properly um, for the purpose of, well, yes, uh, they do need to maintain uh, a database, but at the same time, competition is important. And that is one of the ground uh, bedrocks of the school system itself. And I think a lot of people are missing that. And I think this is one of the key issues with Marx is that when you take the, comp when you take the severity out of the competition, then the marks become meaningless. Um, I specifically remember in my later years, my undergrad, I got a lot of motivation from competition. Um, and that motivation drove me to become a lot more competent, a lot more uh, driven. It allowed, it forced me not, well, it, drove me to read outside of the uh, syllabus, uh, which I also kind of see as a limiting factor in education. Um, you yeah. have these, this idea that, you have this stratifying idea of a mark, you know, you get a, a C-level student, a B-level students, but and in the more abstract, it's like, did I make my argument better than my opponent, better than my um, uh, the other people in my class, better than you know the person that's writing at odds with me? Uh, nitpicks my um, and it challenges you, right? That's the part. Yes, you're saying is it bad. challenges me, but it challenge, but having the other people in class, uh, and then you challenge them, and then they get right. Well. So you have this competition of ideas within the classroom. And I found this actually hard when I uh, got past my, uh, you know, the class portion of my undergrad. And I was sitting uh, in the library without any competition, without any uh, thing. It was just like, all right, sit down and write your thesis. So I was like, what? <laughs> all my motivation, all those little like desperations that I had mm -hmm. gone. And, you know, it's just like, oh, you know, all you have to do is write. And I was just and like, you lose ah. those eureka moments. You don't really have any of those. Oh, like mm -hmm. nobody's in nobody's um, exposing you to a new new frame of thought or a way of wording things because you are only yourself. Like some things only other people can do, I think, like the way they 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 phrase something that you already know can also change or add depth to the thing that you already know, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's not just about learning history. If you learn history, but you don't understand context because you physically weren't in the past. Right. Other people's knowledge of history only helps to add to yours because the image that their brain makes of the past is 
going to be different from the image your brain makes of the past, right? Right. So a lot of people would call that, you know, unconscious bias, but um, <laughs> I say that with air, with implied quotes because, huh. yeah. <laughs> um, but we do have, you know, we've all read different things, but that's the whole point of coming together in a seminar, you know, is to put all that all together and, you know, and, and fight for your side. And I think that the the clash of those perspectives though not like mortal combat it's serves to weed out those uh you know the vestigial parts of your uh perspective in your on your own points uh which serves to you know temper your your argument and then you learn how to make an argument better and when you have that competition it's like oh i did it and Yes, it can get into, as Plato would have said, you know, scoring points, uh, as he made in the Republic. What's the purpose of debate? You know, those who score points aren't doing it right. It's like, no, they aren't. But at the same time, the the strive to do what I was doing the best within the forum I had, it made me start looking for that killer argument uh, that started me having to figure out how to uh, work within this dynamic situation you, I had to adapt quickly and on the spot often because I wouldn't know where some of the uh, arguments would be coming from round two after diabetes break 15 minutes in nice <laughs> so uh, before I had to cut you off there uh, we were talking about um, the students grades and uh, their aims and focuses and how administration plays a role in education and the institution of education requiring the administration. I was wondering if I could ask you though briefly on um, there's obviously an implied subjectivity in grades and the professors and teachers assistants or whoever is doing the grading. Uh, maybe you could go over first what the because not everybody's been to university like what the uh, sliding scale is being graded on the curve just briefly so that people understand what we're we're running over and then maybe go into the subjectivity on on how those grades are or not how but you know what i mean you grade you're a teacher what, what do i say i uh, i actually don't give my grading uh when i do grade uh is very um subjective it's never like i gave someone a uh suddenly out of 10 because they use the word suddenly too often. <laughs> so um, I don't really like giving grades. Uh, I like a lot of um, substantive, substantive, like very subjective feedback. Substantive. Substantive feedback. But um, I'm not actually, I never, I don't believe I've encountered the curving of grades. Oh, really? Yeah, I uh, I never really cared about it. It was oh. just like, oh, I hope they curved my grave. It's like, yeah, that would definitely solidify my ignorance. Um, <laughs> well, maybe I'll just explain it then for the channel. Yeah, so I never really paid attention to it because like I, I was paying attention. Imagine a class of 30 students and the highest grade in the student is 90%. You basically give that student the 100% and bump everybody up relative to the highest grade. It's just... Yeah, okay, yeah, that works. So, or if everybody gets a really low grade, like 60%, then you, you can also work on, on the mean and then 
you can grade the best people relative to the mean and the worst yeah. people relative to the mean. So I wish I had thought, remembered uh, that practice, uh, which like, again, I paid it very little thought in, in school. And then I guess I paid little thought now. Um, it almost- It's useless in my opinion. So I'm glad- No, it. it's, it's a, um, I, I've heard about it from uh, lots of people. Oh, I hope they curve it. I hope they curve it. It's like, it's just like, you're admitting that you don't know are, stuff. That you, yeah, you're it's like, oh man, I'm ignorant. I, I hope I, they let me pass anyways. It's like, oh yeah, give me a freebie. No, there's no such thing as a free lunch. And if you know it, you know it. And if you don't, tough. And I believe that practice in itself shows how meaningless the marks are to for the uh, use of the students uh, in getting a sense of how much they've learned. So the proper thing that a student can do to figure out if they know it is to have that sense of confidence, that subjective sense of confidence in the material, in the use of the material. And if you don't have that, you're not ready for the test. Or maybe you are, and you just and the test will give you that confidence. It's like, oh, I do know this. I did prepare enough. Uh, or you start writing, and it's like, no, I'm not ready to write. I need to read more. I need to study more. I need to get back into the material. And I'm not ready to go. And you go back to the material, and you do that. But sometimes you don't have time, and that's just the breaks. And you settle for like a C, and you're like, okay, moving on. Uh, I'll be more. I'll be better this next one because. In all honesty, you're not going to be as good at every single subject. Uh, there were there were topics in history that I was devouring. I was getting into them. I was picking them apart. I felt like I know this, like without with almost little trying. And there were others that I'd have to spend, you know, hours and hours and hours reading it, going over it, being like, oh man, all the words are swimming around in my in, in my face, and I would. Uh, I'd just be like, no, this is not my topic. But it's I was part of the education too, right? Learning how to right. prioritize and do what you're good at. And... Right. And they never give you a mark for that. Yeah, um... yeah that's true. <laughs> they should. <laughs> they never give you the Because that's marks. more important, practically speaking. Right. Were you able to manage your time properly? Were you able to uh, show up to class every day? Were you, instead of making excuses? Yes. Uh, were you able to... Um, uh, you know, interact with people more effectively? Were you able to, uh, you know, form basic arguments, make connections between ideas? And they never give you marks for these. Uh, were you able to do your paperwork, uh, your your own personal administration? Uh, well, I need to get this in by Thursday. It's like, well, uh, and they never give you a mark for this. And those are the things that companies are going to look for more than whether or not you are uh, in an, whether, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, no problem. I was, and, I was also going to ask you too, if you don't mind, or did you want to finish that? Yeah, so I was going to come back to the curve. Uh, so just to wrap it all up, is that um, the, the curve in itself shows that the a lot of these universities and i don't know actually if all universities uh, or high schools actually do this 
or if there's some out there that issue this um this practice in favor of you know having a more honest representation of their students capabilities and their teachers uh effectiveness um so the it points to the administration wanting to you know get students to you know get to another class get people graduated get people going and that that uh that curve actually makes my point uh which i want to make later saying that school needs to be hard and when it's not hard again the marks don't matter uh and we can get into that uh, a bit later but yeah you were going to ask yeah uh, one thing that you mentioned that i really wanted to to make sure we talked about and i'm sure you'll probably get to it later but, um, and if you are we can skip it and move on but competition being like the healthy competition not cutthroat you know but the, oh, one, yeah. the no. type that challenges your thought and makes you like an argument you already know and believe in that you can think about it in a different way to explain it to somebody else who's maybe uh not following or who has a different opinion or whatever but just the process of reorganizing your thoughts to explain them differently i think right it's good about competition and the challenge right right so school is a challenge it's supposed to be a challenge inherently but the competition itself is a um uh well there's a yeah like you said there's a cutthroat competition where you know you you just be like oh i'm gonna destroy that guy i'm gonna take him out i'm gonna Blah, blah, blah. And that honestly is very unhealthy in a classroom. Uh, you get people arguing, you know, it's like, oh, I don't like that person's political yeah, agenda. Just argue for the sake of arguing rather than right. productive. Yeah. So, or they go, no, that's wrong. Cause I don't know. I got called all kinds of names in class by people who weren't. No, they don't. <laughs> oh, you're wrong. It's biological determinism or this or that. And I used to I actually would relish when people did that because it's like, oh, that's where you stand. I uh, you know, I'm on a I'm on shifting ground here, but you seem to have dug in yourself into a pit. But um at the same time, you get a very it turns the classroom into a zero-sum game. And you know, either I'm right or you're right. There's no, there's no, you know. I'm going to prove what I think is right is right. And this, this, this ends up being the case with a lot of um, current scholastic uh, theoretical. And it is very much like game philosophy. Like you said, it's a zero sum when you start attacking people's opinions just for the sake of the, the conflict. Right. Right. And then it becomes very, your arguments become very subjective. This is what I think yeah. it's based on the what you feel to be right rather than what you know to be right and honestly i generally take what i feel to be right to be an indication that i should think more in that direction and see if my feeling is actually right because there's usually actually something worth discovering there but that's only a signpost it's not the mind in itself um but that leads to a very zero sum this is what i believe and feel and want to be right which is you know and then you're just key. pontificating and pushing your right you, 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 it's not you start you know you fire your arrow first and you, you move the target over top of yeah. it um but the competition of you you prepare your notes bring them in and say here's what i'm going to argue point one point two point three and then you start arguing you're like oh man i need to get rid of point two this is wrong yeah, exactly <laughs> 
So you're in competition, yes, with the and other. It's like students. a live game too. Like, yeah, but you're also in competition with your yourself, uh, and yes, it is a bit of a game, but it's not to destroy the other student uh, or the teacher's argument or to you know uh, get the class to just be like yes preach yeah um, yeah oh yeah and like echo 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 <laughs> and i i found that a lot in class where you get uh these uh these people trying to not only get points but to find themselves at the head of a uh you know soapbox where as what do these mean and I was in competition to figure out a better understanding just first. I wanted to flesh out the most uh, nuanced position. I wanted to flesh out the most uh, stable position. And yeah, that is a competition against the other people in the room. But thing, it's not zero sum because I can share that with everyone in the room. Here is what I think. And I'll take stuff from, you know, this corner of the classroom. I'll take stuff from this corner of the classroom. I'll take stuff from my notebook. I'll take stuff from, you know, stuff that comes up at the top of my head. Uh, and, you know, I'll take stuff from other stuff that I've read in other, in other fields. I'll put as much stuff as I can get or get a, you know, to build the best construction. So everyone's in pottery class. You're not going to build like, you know, clay balls to throw at someone's head, you're going to all try and build the best, you know, cup or the, the best teapot or something. And building the best teapot doesn't destroy any of the other teapots in the room. And I think it doesn't send them home so that they can think about the fact that they're, you know, they have bad privilege or something. And likewise, hoarding a skill or a technique and making a teapot doesn't benefit anybody. Like it's only useful to learn a trick if you share it right. with everyone else. And it's like also terrible if we all have the same teapot. <laughs> yeah, that would be awful. Like, oh, <laughs> I think that's I'm, the major problem with online education is that you you have that problem come up a lot more than in, in a school. Yeah, online education is well worth. We'll probably get yeah. into that later, but um Thanks for indulging me in the deviation. I just wanted to derail us a little bit and cover some of the groundwork before you went any deeper and uh, into what you you wanted to, to discuss. Yeah, well, it's just this is a thought experiment, so yeah, yeah. see where the wind takes us. <laughs> so, so where, oh, go on. Oh, I was just going to ask you where where would you like to go? Well, <clears throat> sorry, like I said I uh, lost my voice teaching the other day, so. Uh, I'd like to actually get back to the original. So uh, why don't we look at uh, marks themselves and then we can move into what administrations are. Um, we can, so while I was thinking about this, I came up with the, I kind of had to do define my terms, you know, always define your terms. Always. <laughs> um, is that what are marks? What do I mean by marks? And I came up with, you know, very uh, ad hoc represent uh, a definition. I'm not going to be like Webster's Dictionary defines marks as, you know, something that you make on the wall. No, it's a tool that is used as an abstract representation of capability on a certain set of knowledge or data 
you know, base information or ability to perform a set of functions. So can you repeat that? Sorry. <laughs> so oh, it was good. It was just <clears throat> concise. Uh, yeah. So you have marks, you have these things and they're an abstract representation and they're mm -hmm. as representing a individual or even group, uh, if you're on a group project, their capability uh, to use a set of knowledge uh, to know a set of data, uh, base info, you know, uh, state capitals, uh, parts of the body, uh, dates, names, or ability to perform a set of functions, skills. Can you build that engine? Can you put a computer together? Can you serve a table? Can you... Uh, application, basically. Yeah, application. Um, there's definitely holes in this, but I think it serves my purpose because I'm setting up a uh, distinction that I have taken to heart uh, over the course of my education, that there's three sets of, uh, there's three sets of capabilities uh, of uh, things that you can learn. You know, there's information, data, and you, with data, you create knowledge. Uh, so the use of that data, you know, what does this mean kind of stuff. And then there's wisdom, applied knowledge. Uh, now there's also, you know, physical skills is also that, but generally we all can, you know, throw a ball. Where do you throw the ball? That's wisdom. Knowledge is the ball. What is a ball? This is a ball. Oh, sorry, information is this is a ball. Knowledge is I can throw the ball and I need to throw the ball at the catcher. And knowing uh, that you can't throw it to space, there are limitations to where you right. can throw it. Before you even throw it, you know these sort of... Wisdom things. is how do I use the ball properly, more mm -hmm. effect, the most effectively. And then you can use that to hone your skills of throwing. Uh, skills being the... You know, That's physical. very well put. I like that, the three-step approach. So wisdom means I'm not going to throw the ball at people's heads. Wisdom means uh, I'm going to sit down and think about you know, my trajectory and this and that, and my, my grip and stuff like that. Wisdom is uh, why am I throwing the ball? Um, but at the same time, when you're, when you're building an engine, the wisdom is, it, it's, it's easy. Why are you doing this? Because I want the car to work. Because this is my job and I get paid for this. It's not, and that's, that's almost Zen. Um, and it's somewhat envious. Uh, <clears throat> but for uh, something like Marx, which rely on a uh, very subjective um, representation of your level of mastery over these things. Now, the closer you get to information on that scale, uh, the less subjective it gets. So what are the state capitals? Well, if you get 45 of the state capitals correct within the objective set of data, uh, then you have a certain mark. If you get uh, 25, well, then you are 50%. You got uh, you know, half wrong. You are halfway there. You are half capable at this set of knowledge. That's easy. That's that's a very uh, quantitative point. This goes for things like anatomy, 
yeah, okay, I'm probably gonna get biologists like yelling at me, but you know, which bone is which, which is that? And I know there's variation between humans, but uh, there's little variation as humans. Um, things like, you know, parts of a computer, how does it, you know, the, the nature of a transistor, uh, these things are very uh, quantitative to now analyze. So honestly, marks are an easy way to represent that. And this is very good for first and second year university where they're teaching you concepts. This is one way that we look at it. Here's another way. And here's the cognitive behavioral method. How do you here's, grade concepts though? Like, Did you define it properly? Uh, so like in psychology, you have like, you have the you know, physical, cognitive, you have uh, behavioral, I'm getting these wrong, probably it's been years. Um, but uh, you have um, all these different things. So then you, you say, you say, okay, define these four perspectives in psychology. Define, you know, give me a definition of what the Renaissance was. Give me a definition of what the Reformation was. Give me a definition of what the Crusades were. And it's like, well, the Crusades were uh, the, when China did this, it's eh, wrong. That's easy. You, you, there's a certain set to it, but we've already started moving away from data because Crusades is now reliant on aspects of knowledge. Why did the uh, Christians decide to do that all of a sudden? Why did the Rome, why did the Pope in Rome call for an attack on uh, the Holy Land? Well, it has a lot of, you know, you need a lot of other information and to put that together to be, get a knowledge of what the Crusades were. And you can still test this uh, quantitatively because either you're right or you're wrong. You can be more right or more wrong and it starts getting gray when you start to be like, well, the Crusades happened in, uh, you know, 982 AD. Oh, that's not right. Uh, when the Pope in Rome decided to, you know, based from pressure from the Eastern Roman Empire, blah, 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 blah. It's like, okay, everything is right except for the date. So I can't give you that full mark. So that's where it gets gray. But generally, if you have like, you know, good enough, they'll give you the grade. And so if it's if the entire test is uh, that kind of quantitative, you can um, you can generally give a good set of did you do enough work to understand the concepts that we were going over? Were you paying attention? Did this and that? So, but that's also a representation of how much you were listening in class. It's also representation of time management. It's also representation of this and that. And everyone's gonna be different. Some people are gonna be like time management wizards. Some people come to class every day. Some people come to class every day and fall asleep. Um, and generally that's gonna ever be reflected in your marks. And yes, you can't you know, tag every person. This is why uh, I'm kind of arguing from a position of personal responsibility rather than uh, how can the administration better track all of their students? It's like, hmm, I don't like that question to begin with. But um, uh, That's the, a case where it gets a bit tenuous though, right? Because there's subjectivity involved in the teacher grading the gray areas, like the concepts. Right. There's, all the students are going to hear it and understand and know the same words, but some of them are going to grasp the concepts differently, right? Mm -hmm. And grading a concept is like, um, 
part of it is grading their ability to communicate the concept and part of it is grading their ability to retain the concept like to acquire it and that right. to me feels like regurgitation because the grade is based on how precisely you reflect the way it was taught to you right that and to me is a bad way of grading or giving right notes. well and that's why like a lot of the first year in university is going to be regurgitation you yeah. need that base of knowledge in order to you know do actual work and a lot of first and second year students make the mistake of thinking that their first and second year is you know actual scholarship uh <laughs> that um you know you get a two-year degree oh yeah i have a university degree it's like cool you made uh you started <laughs> yeah it's high school 2.0 <laughs> yeah they should be teaching a lot of that stuff in high school anyways um but uh the the other thing is that sometimes it's a good representation of maybe university isn't for you you know i just i can't you know if you're like this is what my brain like worked really well in those situations even though uh you know keeping yeah, focused was, <laughs> yeah but at the same time someone who's really interested in you know something else and you know you're gonna go to university why because you're gonna go to university uh okay but then they come to university and then they get bitter and they're wasting their time and you know they should have just gone backpacking for a year or something but and they'll then, still you know, get passing grades that's what bugs me they will and as long as they show up and do things they'll they'll still pass because the, the business well, school right well there's two things to that the one is uh yes they're gonna they're trying to pass you they're actively trying to get you through yeah. uh which is good and bad because you know the teachers want you to learn the administration wants you to spend money yeah. um but the, the second time maybe they're actually smart but they just hate scholarship and they should be doing it's like oh man i hate this but I, I, like i can do it i just don't want to do it and that, that that's you know it's it's wanting to do it makes it a lot easier but maybe they want to go into culinary arts and they're forcing to themselves to go through university go get your red seal don't study anthropology for anything but fun uh like do it for fun it'll make it more fun you can still read those books but you know do what you love first and sometimes and it's hard to know that and sometimes you can convince yourself that something is fun when it's not but at the same time, you know, that's why we do that first year university. I was like, oh, I'm going to go take psychology. And then I took history class and I was like, oh, I guess I got a hard path ahead of me. But you're saying do what you love just for first year, right? To learn what you want to get into. It's not no, the opposite. Just love their jobs and nobody will have to pick up garbage. Like, no, no. Like some people will pick up garbage. Well, I did a lot of uh, yeah, garbage me too. picking. I did a lot of. <laughs> jobs Renos that and were rough yeah well installing you carpets boring ripouts <laughs> oh yeah yeah i i was i was terrible at yeah. installing carpet but i was really good at the you know the, the the support stuff but like i also did security you know middle of the night downtown oh, middle of winter hospitality you did a lot of that oh yeah i learned a lot more uh from serving tables uh than i did in uh some of my classes but that uh, advice, like to do what you love, you're saying just for the intro, right? Like for first. No, year. actually, I'm saying the opposite is take the first year intro courses, see what clicks, suffer for a year, and then go with oh, what feels okay. right. Uh, yeah, it's like it's not supposed to be easy. Um, 
but you need to, you know, you, you need to find the roads before you can walk down the path. So, and sometimes that means, you know, running around in a dark, you know, thick bush, you know, getting scraped and bruised before you can find the path that, you know, your boots just work so well on. And sometimes that means I went and got a music degree or I went and got my red seal or, you know what, I love cars. I'm going to go work on cars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, it, it's different for everyone, but that's why we have this, you know, liberal humanist institution so that you as an individual can place yourself. And I think that's where um, a lot of the contention about Marx comes from is because this institution, while on the learning side and the individual student side and a lot of the professors are situated in order to very effectively uh, teach us uh, in a very open uh, form in any in any faculty like engineering you know you can the library is right there the professors are there they have you can go talk to them you can email them you can bug them as, as much as you want in fact they're probably sitting in their office hoping someone would come in and ask them questions about you know anything uh, but on the other side you have this and I believe I got to this uh, before when my uh, in my write-up was you have this idea of uh, a centralized school um, based around uh, the, the very Prussian model of uh, scholarship. And, yeah, you should go into that, actually. I, I like yeah. that bit. So <clears throat> um, a lot of schools we have were based on a very seemingly successful model of uh, that was set up uh, about 100 years ago. So uh, like in the late 19th century. Before that, it came from a lot of the uh, a lot of what we do in lectures and in university is based around the uh, Christian model, uh, very similar to as you would see in church. Uh, there's a guy in the front telling you what you need to know in a lecture, that or you get um, the uh, uh, in the old uh, universities where they would just dictate to you and you'd write your own book. Uh, based on you take down verbatim what the professor was saying, reading from his book that he took down. Sweatshop schools. Yeah, well, this is how the uh, the old monastic schools used to work. And mm. um, okay, I'm glossing over it, but uh, it's very different from the Socratic method that the Greeks and the Romans would have used, uh, and the Ludus, um, and you know, wandering around being like, "What's that? Oh, that's yeah. a tree. Let's the find it." The walk and talk is my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> It works good in some subjects, uh, and a lot of Roman schools were built around that, if you could afford to send your student there, although there was a lot of um, corporal punishment, um, (laughs) because, well, they're Roman. Um, Oh, they love that. Yeah, it's like, beat your children. Why? Because they're Roman. Why not? They need to be hard. (laughs) They're probably going to go to war. Why? We're not molesting them. We might as well beat them right now. (laughs) It's like why 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 do why are we gonna have to prepare them for war? And the Romans are like, it's what we do. <laughs> but it's also what the Prussians did. So in the 19th century, you have this Prussian uh, amalgamation of the German nation. Very glossing over. I'm sorry for any <laughs> German historians that are watching. Um, putting that, strudel on history. Yeah. So um, you get this amalgamation in the 19th century across all of Europe towards a uh, 
we need to teach the populace. And there's, uh, there's a lot of cynical theories about this, uh, particularly, um, I'm ready for this, Benedict Anderson, who saw the schools as a very, yeah, nice, I, uh, who saw the schools as a very uh, way of instituting the cultural constructions of the state onto people uh, in order to uh, create, you know, citizens who had the right sets of uh, knowledges. And doing that uh, through the school system, right? Right. And he also saw maps and, you know, borders and stuff like that as uh, museums, sorry, uh, as you know, maps and museums and arts is another facet of that. Um, this is a very postmodernist approach. And he's right to an extent, but he's cynical and it, it, it limits his analysis because it still did educate people. The problem was is that the top-down approach wasn't there wasn't any conspiracy to create you know perfect citizenry although there was that idea you know how can we create prussian people now the problem is is that the reason i diverge from anderson is because i don't believe it actually worked uh the prussian ideal was never really attained uh the gloss of it was um, you know, the, the perception through the propaganda, you know, and everyone thought everywhere else looks like this, you know, Prussia, Germany looks like that. The people yeah. act like that. And when and you ask them that specific question, they know the answer to it kind of like automatically, right? Yeah. So when you think of a Prussian, you think of a, a soldier wearing gray, you know, you know, with their Aryan phalian features uh and you know they've got that uh maybe they've got a mustache but generally they've got a very martial straight uh and that or if you're not thinking the martial you're thinking of kind of that by bavarian ideal uh and strength is just the pervasive kind of right strength to everything orderliness and uh you also have in the 19th century a idea of the nation and people working towards the idea of the nation and towards the greatness of the nation. So they set up their schools with regard to this. So, you know, we need to educate our people because they need to know how to read because then they can be more effective and they need to know how to do math so they can, you know, learn how to use an artillery piece and they need to know how to work in a factory. So how do we train them? Well, you sit them down in rows. You know, just like in you're standing in in column, and so you sit them all in. No one's sitting, you know, with regard to where they need to sit, or they're not sitting, like in the in the monasteries, in a position that facilitates writing. They're sitting at a desk. Tension. You get up. You sing the the national anthem. I guess it would be back then. I don't know. Uh, that sounds really familiar though our school kind of did that too really it does sound familiar doesn't it so then <laughs> history rhymes eh <laughs> so you sit down and you know there's there's a there's a there's a bell or a buzzer okay time for math time for english or German. time for physical education time for and in the prussian system though they sort of engineered people's aptitudes right they taught them engineering for warfare but not enough to like overthrow their own government or anything like that right 
Right. Well, it's they were trying to give them skills that they could use in, I don't know if they taught them engineering, but they were teaching them how to read. They're like, if you can teach them to read, you can teach them to read a manual, which means they can learn how to use a machine faster, which means they can yeah. learn how to take apart their rifle faster. And you, know. and you want them to invent machines and stuff and use them properly, but you don't want them like, I, I'm, I, I'm not a historian, but <clears throat> what I remember anyway from the, the Prussian system, they were very specific about what you're allowed to learn too. Like they didn't, learn, they didn't let you learn uh, like Arabic and stuff like that, for instance. Yeah, that was a um, that was a lot of a later thing, and that's for more for uh, school children. The university model uh, that was uh, that happened everywhere. It's like mm-hmm. uh, when you're raising the when you're raising the bottom for people's education from nothing. It's like what are we going to teach them? Basic math, yeah. basic history, basic reading and writing. And then didn't they limit up. people's like understanding of like uh geopolitical depends on where you live like that like it would be very very circumstantial so if you're in like a worker's town you'd probably get a lot of you know propaganda in that vein if uh but um it was very basic stuff but everyone the idea was that everyone should get this because we need effective citizens and effective citizens make a powerful country and a powerful country can be capable in war because the british are just so damn powerful right now (laughs) so we need a better army because their navy is just you know indomitable and so you get this idea that we need to train them so train them to work in a factory train them to work in the army Get them used to taking orders. Get them used to timetables. Get them used to, uh, you know, uh, doing simple tasks like do this now. Now go do that, and then get them used to structuring their day in a martial way. Everything can be ordered in a martial fashion. So and, the doctrine is like the discipline itself, right? Right. And the problem is here is that it, to some extent, worked. Discipline is a valuable asset uh, in anybody's life. The problem is that not everyone responds to it. And the people that responded to it did very well. Um, I would have been absolutely terrible at it. And you get like early ADD studies kind of like, why aren't they falling into this? It's like, because they need to, you know, move from place to place. So it did work to some extent. But if you're not that, orderly of a person but you're still creative or you 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 have a you just have a outlook that doesn't really fit into that structure then you're not going to do well and we've moved away from that a lot in in ways we have more socratic methods with uh seminars instead of just straight lectures forever um and we have um moved away from it in the fact that uh students have a lot more um freedom to uh study what they wish to find their spot within the exploration of ideas now we still need to structure things everyone has to go to the class at the same time and you run out of brain power at a certain time so you need to only be there a certain time so you know class starts here it ends here. We're going to talk about it in this time period because people have got jobs, people have got families, people have got other stuff that they need to do. So the idea of a set time is convenient. But the rest of it is very uh, liberal. And I, 
liberalized in the way that you have the freedom as a student to forge a path, to talk about whatever you want. And, but the administration hasn't really moved beyond that in anything but lip service. And that's where I kind of bring this back is that they are still thinking in within the paradigm of uh, where do you fit in the system? How can we order you within the system? I don't know if there's a way to get away from it, but I think that it's, and this is where I come to the idea that school needs to be difficult because the, what the administration is doing and that, that, that perspective of ordered management of their student bodies doesn't really work if everyone passes. If everyone just gets a, mm, you know what, you tried, that's good enough. Let's let yeah. you go. The fact that pat you tried is good enough. And a pat on the bum. <laughs> there were um, there were folks in the history program in my university that were in school and they had been doing their masters for seven years and that was three years ago and I don't even know if they're done. And that seemed absurd to me, a two-year program uh, taking, you know, most of a decade to complete. That's that's your life, and you you're you're paying your money and your time, and you you're not moving on with your life, and that's a failure, period. And can I ask you about that? Is that the the administration, the professor, or the student? Well, it's everyone. Everyone involved. Because as a society, we don't want that, right? We, we want people to learn as young as possible because they'll be more productive that way, like from the macro yeah, perspective. Yeah, we want them to, uh, we want them to become failure? adults as soon as possible. Um, yeah. We want to so who's create... responsible for that failure, though, in your in your view? Well, there's I think there's three points. The, the student, not who's afraid to move on and who's afraid of failure and afraid. It's, there's a fear in there. Uh, but as well as there's a... Uh, a inability to grasp the necessity of their task uh, and the essential uh, things that they need to perform in their task. Uh, there's the professors who aren't willing to uh, use the rod, and I'm not saying corporal punishment, but you know, harsh words. Yeah, characteristic. Uh, being frank. Yeah. Uh, and the administration who is just sitting on those checks going yeah sure let's let's keep going now this in the humanities is happening because the humanity faculties are afraid of becoming irrelevant which is preposterous because history is not going away in fact we keep making more of it uh yeah, yeah. uh people are still gonna be around we still need to learn how people work uh so like just because stem fields are like uh science engineering all that those you know the the lawyers and all those things are you know in these really prestigious positions uh it's nearsightedness too right well you also get like things like application of that education or like that's useful right now let's you let's do more right of that. but at the same time it's it's someone who's gotten through an entire undergrad degree, an entire master's degree, 
and not known what they want to say. You have a thesis, find something to say, and you can't get it out. All you have to do is write the thesis. I sat down, it took me a year-ish um, to get mine put together. And I felt I was going slow. I probably could have put a couple hours in here or there extra. I finished my master's in two and a half years. A lot of it was that ruminating too, right? Where you're like doing other stuff, yeah. thinking about it the whole I time. I did make a sudden move to Edmonton. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that, that kind of... You were working the entire time you were in school. Yeah, that's true. That. Yeah, that was, that was rough. Um, but I feel like a lot of that is indicative of a system that isn't saying that no a 50 is a fail and you have to live with that and they're making it like well what can i do to, to get around this oh well you know maybe maybe we can curve the grade so that you know all these people have got 50s in that case it's the teacher that failed uh or the the curriculum is just nonsense um because you know, not every teacher is a good teacher, but sometimes uh, students will still figure a way to get through it. And that comes down to the administration too, right? Because some teachers don't even want to teach, but they have to. Like they're forced to by the rules of the university to teach X amount of classes in order to do their research on the side or something like right. that. Right. I had one professor laid out for me very well. Um, I'm not going to get into any names. There's going to be no names here. Uh, <laughs> uh, where he said uh, teaching and the actual classwork was about 40% of their job. Uh, the next 40 was um, uh, like student outreach and 20% was uh, their research. So student outreach includes like extracurricular stuff um, to do with students like, uh, I don't know, but like office hours, sitting down with students, talking to them, answering emails, just sitting down and guiding uh because you know mm. setting up the course and marking or mentoring stuff. like theses and yeah so well thesis not even that big like they spend the teachers uh, professors spend a lot of time just being like sitting down with their students going like all right i know you are having trouble with this but let's get you through it that's what they're there for and that's great mm -hmm. but if if you're having trouble the thing is, is that we're, we're, we have this impression that anyone can do it. Anyone can get through school. All you have to do is put the work in. And that's a lie. That is straight up a lie. And um, I know my own limitations. I know where places that I would be uh, very... Um, I be very uh, hard put in certain subjects, um, but even within history, but um, some- Do you feel the same way though, casting yourself into someone else's like personality? Because I, I, people watching this probably don't know you, but I know you from like oh, yeah. climbing the outsides of buildings and like fearless, like you know your limits because you've tested them your whole life as like a matter of modus operandi. Yeah, how far can I jump from before breaking? Yeah, it turns out it's pretty high. Uh, uh, in your in your notes here before you were talking about the hom homogeneity of the the system, where like you have personalities all come funneling into a single 
uniform system that's supposed to fit everybody and they tell everybody they can pass like you said but that's not necessarily where where they should be like somebody has to take you know three years to write a thesis and they have nothing to say well then you kind of think that that person must assume that the world is perfect if you have nothing to say then there's nothing wrong with the world and and those people shouldn't be in school in my opinion not to be rude or mean or anything but a lot of people should see the problems in the world you're not qualified to fix them no that's what university grads do is they fix the world oh they do they they serve a function in society and it's a different one than a lot of other people do and it's very prestigious because you're supposed to be smart and all that but honestly that's why there's a small minority of people that actually need a master's and phd it's not everybody in the world that needs it Right, because I found like 20% or 10% of the population. Right, but at the same time, uh, let me just make a note here. At the same time, um, uh, there's two paths that are almost contradictory, almost, uh, down that. One is that, yes, you don't probably need this. Uh, Find some path that that will be best for you. And yeah, you don't need, and you know, if you have a degree and you're serving tables or something, um, that's okay. But uh, maybe that degree was a waste of time. But at the other side of that, it definitely wasn't. Because learning is never the wrong choice. Now, just because you don't take, you know, I don't need an English class. I don't need an English class. I'm, I'm a biologist, I don't need English. But why not just take it to enjoy literature? Why not just take history because you want to know more about history? Maybe there's something in there that you can use. So you have this idea that, oh no, you, you're wasting your time, you're wasting your time. But learning itself is never a waste of time. And that's kind of the, the, the two things to this. What is your metagame here? What are you doing with your life at this moment? Why, what are you trying to do here? Oh, I wanna get the stamp on my forehead. Okay, then don't waste your time, but don't discount things that you might wanna learn later. And well, it's like, oh, I don't need to go to university. It's like, you know what? If you wanna read a history book, go ahead. If you wanna learn more about psychology, go ahead. It doesn't matter what you know level of society or on what type of person you are you can still engage with the material you don't have to become a historian to engage with history you don't have to become a psychologist to engage with psychology yeah you don't probably need to read the in-depth journal articles and go through you know uh, statistical analyses you don't have to go that in deep but you can still learn now That's sort of th- what grinds me about the oh sorry I kept- <clears throat> no 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 I was, I was i was probably gonna rehash anyways i just i just wanted to point out on a personal that's sort of what grinds me about a lot of like i don't know if it's just our generation or if it's people in in general but like if they're gonna study something and let's say it's april and they're gonna start studying something and they'll wait till september to learn it yeah like i don't get that whole aspect of culture where like oh i'm, I'm studying this in the fall or I don't need that for my job. I don't need to learn it. I think there is a, oh. Even though you have all the tools and all the available and all the time and everything to get ahead of the game, to, to get a deeper understanding when you finally get to school, they they elect not to learn if if unnecessary. And I think that that just I wanted to point out that it bugs me. <laughs> 
Well, it is hard to get started. Uh, even like get started like reading a book. It's like, oh, I want to read that book. And to me, there's definitely a momentum that I've been riding on reading uh, for years. I started reading in my early 20s. I gotta get, I gotta get more information. I, gotta, I need to, I need to get better. I felt that desperation from those, those jobs I was doing. I need to be more than this. I just kind of, I felt that I needed to be more. I need to find the top of where I keep my potential. And so I thought, I'm just gonna start reading. And I did, and I forced myself, uh, I don't know, like I forced myself just then to just start reading like the classics of literature. And then I kind of just kept reading, kept moving around. And now I'm agitated if I don't have something going on or a couple books on the go at a time because I have that momentum. And it's hard, it definitely- Can that be taught? Like, can you teach momentum? Is that no, the professor's well, job? It's, you can, there's two ways of doing that. There's kicking someone off of the cliff and saying, <laughs> yeah. have fun. I, 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 works I kicked you. I, I kicked Child you. Child by fire is my favorite education. <laughs> but like it's the, the, that adage, um, the first step is always the hardest. I had a hard time actually uh, getting back into university. I had a bad high school experience. You know, a lot of people did. I'm not looking for pity. Mm. Uh, I had a lot of hard time in like, uh, to like have my hand held as I was applying for university. But then once I got into it, I was uh, bitter and my, 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 my preconceptions were destroyed and I fell into it and I started, you know, uh, the, the locomotive, the, no, the train, the train, yeah, it's <laughs> the, the train just started chugging. And it started chugging and right and, and it, it slowed down it sped up here and there but it's never stopped since then mm-hmm. and i don't want it to stop because i have that momentum and I, and I and i like what i can do with it do you think people should have that before they go to school or should they expect to get that at school you can start walking whenever it's just don't never take the first step even if your first step is a stumble uh, do that's st- fine at least you have taken it. If you if you take a first step into a wall, you can turn and take a second step. It yeah, and a step matter. backwards just, gives you a running start. <laughs> just take it. And this is where I kind of come to one of my final points is how marks are useless to you is because failing isn't negative. It's negative like an electron is negatively charged yeah yeah we use them positively (laughs) right you fail and the administration needs to be harsher on you not to like not let people in yes as many people should be educated as possible because when more of us are educated we're all smarter period and i don't like the argument oh you should like i don't this is universities for a bunch of you know uh you know liberal whatever the right's talking yeah like i I don't ironic eh? (laughs) and like to some extent they're not wrong but they're not wrong because they're not auditing courses they're not going in there and giving their perspective and they're they're just regurgitating things they heard on twitter like right because empty to call people sheeple (laughs) right well the 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 young activists in classes are sitting there not failing and they're not being told they're wrong but then the people who aren't going to school are not being told they're wrong because they aren't being tested either so they i guess you get stuff like the uh uh 
you know, this orthodox forming in the universities. And like things like the Heterodox Academy are doing great work to fight that, to get, you know, multiple voices in the institutions. But uh, it's, it's, it's just straight up, but that's just nitpicking because it is scary to start things. And it's scary to think that you could fail. You don't want to fall down a pit. Oh, I failed. That means I'm failing at everything. No, no, no. Fail. Get punched in the face. Get to the right. next class. Oh, you, you got a 60? Cool. Maybe that's not your thing. Go on to something. Oh, you got an 80? Yeah, push there. Oh, you still got punched in the face. Doesn't matter. Keep going. Uh, it's like, oh, you got beat up in university. Maybe it's not your thing. That's not a waste of time. You learned a lesson. Maybe I should go to college. Yeah, maybe I should start that business. Plus all the, the things you learned, like you didn't get zero. You got 50%. Right. Like right. So you don't have enough to become uh like a, a you scholar. know brandy swilling humanist scholar. <laughs> Shucks diddly ox. Like yeah. no, not I, everybody's a gnome chomsky. Yeah, or uh, like, I uh, can't think of, like, you're not going to be the next Bertrand Russell. Like, <laughs> would but you on, want... On that vein, what about, like, exclusive admissions, like Harvard or Ivy Leagues or med school, where they, like, intentionally uh, shrink the pot or the pool of candidates? It, it sounds good. Uh, I don't think it... I don't know. Those institutions are having their own problems right now. To uh, me, it seems wasteful. Like it, talent that just doesn't get accepted for no right, than and it's indicative of the again the old method of of scholarship, where you have people in class, and you have professors, especially places like Yale and Stanford, who just record their lectures and put them online, uh, like the Sapolsky lectures, who where he's talking about evolutionary biology to a class of 150 students, but he's reached over a million people probably. Yeah. And so how many, how much, how, how many people has he taught? Does it matter that he's an Ivy League level scholar? Does it matter that your uh, history professor level scholar uh, can only be taught? The whole idea is that you have exclusive access because of your, uh, you know, merit or privilege um, based on, you know, you have enough money to get in, you have the connections to get in, you have the Then there's like the grades and the, the Right, but at the tuitions. same time, you have the ability and to study under this guy. But if he just records his lectures, and then what does that exclude? That exclusivity means nothing. Okay, yeah, he's not grading your papers, but you're still getting those ideas downloaded into your brain. So... Does it make sense to admit people into different schools or have different quality or great like oh yeah it makes because... sense to have grades in affect who teaches you or like your access to good teachers well there's always going to be like acknowledging that grades are fallible but also useful yeah like, how there's always you... going to be competition for uh access to professors and access to quality intellectuals um, in any field, uh, because that, uh, that expertise, sorry, I got the, uh, the, I got that expertise, yeah, that expertise in itself is a commodity that that person is, uh, that that person is selling, uh, in order to, you know, eat. Um, they just, it is in such high demand because it's such a, it's such a valuable commodity 
that it is, um, you can't just give it to everybody. But if you record the lecture, you can't, you have the ability to go in and, you know, get one-on-one, -on -one, you can get the marks, you can have that criticism. Now, the marks don't matter as much from that person as much as the, their notes on your paper. Like in any paper where it's like, oh, you got a 88. Cool. Let me just get straight to the criticism. Oh, you only gave me a paragraph of criticism. I can do nothing with this. Right. Like, no, that's that that's nothing. So the lecture's up there. You can you can watch uh, debates on YouTube. Honestly, I relied heavily and supplemented heavily in my education with supplementary readings, supplementary lectures, supplementary topics, supplementary everything because of I saw the ability to use these and sit in with professors that I didn't have the privilege of going to Harvard to see uh, or Stanford or Yale or whatever. And I think more than ever, we need to move away from Marx because of that. Uh, and I think what I'm arguing seems very harsh. We need to fail people. We need to chastise them for uh, for a failure, not of the uh, material, but a failure to themselves. Um, you know, you didn't put enough work in. You aren't showing the requisite qualities to proceed to the next level where people that we could give this to would produce more valuable work. If you can show that you can produce valuable work, then we will bring you to the next level. But everyone's got an opinion. Are you capable of forming a better opinion? So uh, okay, so I think that's I'm not arguing for a, I'm arguing for being harsh, but I'm not arguing for being inhumane. And I think we can get to that uh, after a bit of a break. So uh, yeah, I want perfect. to talk about the humanity of, and the uh, almost the, um, what do you call that? The uh, the caring nature of criticism. <laughs> so what do you call that? It's like compassion in- Yes, that's the in, word. Compassion. But it's like a compassionate discipline, but like discipline in the bad way, not discipline in the Buddhist way. Like, right. I'm not. I'm not doing this to hurt you. Kids. <laughs> I'm not doing this because I, I'm not mad but disappointed. But so we'll get into that after a break. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. Coming up, part two. Dos.